Hey, hello, and welcome to the RevX podcast, episode number 10. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 10. If you haven't checked them out, they're all available on our SoundCloud where you're listening to this one right now. Um, this is episode two in our Toxic Masculinity series. Our first episode was our all female panel, and this one will be an all male panel. Um, and, uh, we will have others that continue the trend in the future, including bringing these two panels together to discuss what each side said. Not that they're sides, but you know what I mean. One announcement for me before we get into um, the morning announcements the is the All-American A Fake Crime Podcast. Episode one of our, our fake true crime, our fictional true crime podcast will debut next Tuesday. And then... Um, well, starting now, we are casting for the other roles for the upcoming episodes. There's a post on our Facebook thing, or you can ask me or Samara about it if you see us in person, and we'll direct you to the details. But we need about 30 voices. Most of them relatively short can be done in, you know, 10, 15 minutes or a couple longer roles. If someone that wants to look, you know, uh, uh, one big female role open there the male roles are all relatively small um that are left so but there's one major role for a female voice and there are a bunch of voices that are male and female for smaller parts and we'll reach out to people but if you're interested in doing some voice work on all american a fake crime podcast um particularly after you hear next week's first episode uh, let us know and we will uh get you in on that um all right up next is samara with your morning announcements for Revolutionary Exchange Records. Hi, hello, it's Samara with your morning announcements. We have some upcoming events for this month. We have this coming Sunday, we have our job search podcast recording, panel discussion series thing, um, where we talk about how to let your network know you're looking for a job and how to spiffy up your online profiles. After that, we have the Spoken Word Brunch on November 26th, and that the will be the, it's the last one ever. It will be brunch. It will be bottomless brunch. It will be good, I guess. And then after that, on December 3rd, we have our year-end blowout songwriter showcase and concert fun event show. All right. Thank you, Samara, for those morning announcements from the cafeteria. The, uh, the, I can't remember exactly what the topic was, but I remember it being something about the current situation with few people saying things that were misogynistic in sense. Oh, no. It, like, it, no, it's much more general than that. Not a, like a response to anything. Oh, Just okay. kind of like a general talk about, like, you know, what is... I mean, we can get into specific things that people have said as, like, a step-off point, but it was more about just, like, kind of talking about, like, what are some of the shit that you feel, like, that through various channels or whatever is thrust upon you and expected of you as a man, and what are kind of, like, problems with that kind of thing, and, you know, so what, what are things you see that, like, either things that are expectations that you see or expectations that you don't see for yourself because you've gotten past it, but you see that other people just do this same dumb shit because they feel like they're supposed to and that kind of thing. That, like, what's a better way to do it? Those are kind of the general topics. Okay. Yeah. Well, expectations come from different areas for me. Like, you know... Introduce yourself first. Oh, so. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I'm Mikhail Gordon. Um, I'm not. I don't know how to describe myself. <laughs> I'm a friend, and I used to be a journalist. That's not true at all. I want to be cool like him, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> and you? Oh, my name is uh, Lao Lufaishi. Um, I I guess I'm also a friend. Um, I. Yeah, I work in IT, so I, I guess you, I, you can call me a... Cyberpunk? Yeah, that, that works. <laughs> I used um, to be in IT, and now I'm a... Uh, I design things. Yeah. Um, and Professor X is always, and I'm not in IT. I'm, but tangentially related. So I digital strategies, and okay. I'm a blogger by primary trade. So it's like... Okay. Which is so much better than being a reporter because I don't have to go out and report on stuff. I'm just an aggregator of information and words that make that information more palatable. So did that's you, much more fun to me. Did you report back in the day? Uh, well, not so school newspaper, yes. And then um, I, my Florida blog, which is what led me to getting work here eventually, did a lot of reporting because state level political media is shit. Like, it just doesn't exist, and in a state as important as Florida, we started after the 2000 and then the 2004 election, Florida was just a fucking fiasco, and so we were like, let's fucking do something about it, so we started the blogging stuff, and we, but we actually organized, too, we didn't just write, we went around the state and met all the liberal bloggers around the state and built, like, this coalition that was also a blog, and we did reporting from all this stuff, and, uh, um... We even got, our biggest thing was we sent a team of nine people to the uh, Democratic National Convention, Obama's first one in 08, and we were able to cover everything. Wow. Like, I'd sit there in the tent typing, and so we'd have multiple passes to get into the convention, but then we also had people to send to this, all this other shit going around. Like, when Alex Jones started a riot, we had a guy that could run out there with a the little flip camera. And this is 2008, so we were at it, so that actually, after the convention, our stuff got, like, enshrined in the... Library of Congress as a notable wow. record of an event. So, awesome. yeah, some journalism, but, you know, cool. amateur citizen journalism. And so that led to, like, really well-paid gigs. Because awesome. that was all fucking for free, basically. Right. You know, we raised a little bit of money to go to Denver, but, you know, like 3000 or whatever. But, you know, nine people, that's not a lot. Yeah. People paid for their own hotel rooms and stuff. <laughs> so you've been, you're a veteran on this right now, so... Yeah, we did in Florida, we did political podcasts, but we did hundreds upon hundreds of them. Yeah, we had, so at one point, in the height of uh, maybe 2010, we had four shows a week with all different hosts, and they'd record them separately, and they were all live, because Blog Talk Radio was free back then, mm-hmm. where you could do, you do this, but then people could call in, they could listen live on the internet, and then call in just like a real show, but they charge for that now, because mm-hmm. bandwidth and stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I, like, that would be good to hear a little bit of y'all's background, too, because that helps inform, like, where you're from, and, you know, what whatever you come up through that'll help inform the comments I think people know a little bit more about where you're coming from um, I was born and raised in Jamaica my family is extremely mixed um, I, uh, I'm multiracial uh, and I moved to America when I was I think 11 or 12 I my family is extremely religious and my, they're very conservative in their mentality, but also very accepting. You know, Jamaica is a very uh, understanding uh, country when it comes to many facets of life. But I grew to be extremely liberal and socialist in mentality, just based on uh, 
life experiences, and I um, I grew up in Miami after moving to America, and then moved, traveled around a bit, and then ended up here in the D.C. area. When were you in Miami? Um, 2000, no, 1998 to 2004. Wow. Yeah. Went was, to high school there. Yeah. You were in the same city quite a few times, then. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, at least I was going to ask, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so I worked for the Kendrick Meek Senate campaign. Okay. I was oh, a new cool. media director, cool. so and did that for like 13 months. So we were, we were down there all the time. But I'd been there before and stuff, you know, because it's Miami. Why not go? Yeah. You yeah. Could, if it's only an eight-hour drive, you might as well go down there. So, But yeah. we also, when we were organizing, we a lot of Miami bloggers, so we went down there and met people all the time. Because if there's eight people down there and there's three of us, why make them come to us every time? Right. <laughs> so we would go down to Miami and meet down there sometimes. So, um, um um, and I I was born in Nigeria. Um, me and my family, well, actually, back in Nigeria, my family was also very very religious. Um, I I have just one younger sister, but my parents uh, have a large family. My mom is one of five, and dad is also one of five. So, growing up, you always had a ton of people around, um, cousins, and I think all of them. I think. All of them except one of my aunts were also very religious. Um, so we brought that um, to America. We moved here when I was nine, which was uh, 1996. Uh, moved into Silver Spring, Maryland, um, and not looked back since then. Um, I live in D.C. now, um, and when I'm not working, I spend a lot of my time just traveling. Mm-hmm. Doing things with uh, friends in that community and playing um, FIFA and playing FIFA <laughs> or watching football or watching football yeah. right now watching or soccer watching soccer we're playing Pokemon Go oh Pokemon Go's the best yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's uh, I yeah that's about me I, I don't necessarily know if I am a liberal or conservative I know I. Tries to be politically neutral. You describe right. Yourself. So I, yeah. I don't. I try to stay out of it. And that labels are dangerous. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's true. People label themselves as a thing, and then they defend that thing to the death, even if they were wrong to right. join the label. So right. labels are terrible, <laughs> especially in politics. But um, actually, I think it was your Facebook post about the the school teacher who was saying really negative things about Melania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that kind of thing. I, I agree with that. Like, yeah, it's like... Every, everyone is... Everyone's a moron. Yeah. Just the kind of thing where you might yeah. say... Yeah. It's... Everybody's... Their, like, base instinct is get the other guy. Mm-hmm. It's not is this right or wrong. And so, like, I complained when they said that about liberal people, so why would I change that when they're doing it to non... Yeah. So, like... And, and I really can't stand when people switch like that, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I post pretty harsh commentary on that kind of stuff, and so... Well, yeah, I mean, you said switch, but, like, people... You said what's expected of other people, or what mm-hmm. people expect of you. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that changes based on the environment you're in. Like, at work... I work with a, a ton of conservative people. Mm-hmm. I'm hanging out with my friends. I, all of my friends tend to be liberal. Yeah. Again, labels, but that's just the way their yeah. mentality is. So what's expected from of me from them is extremely different from yeah. just hanging out with people. Well, it's and different to describe me to describe someone as a liberal as opposed to self-identification. Right. Self-identification yeah. is always trouble. People, you know, if you vote this way and think this, whatever, you're a liberal. Right. You can define that, but that's something that should be defined by what you do and say and think not by your own self thing because people lie and they get their, themselves wrong 
people yeah, don't yeah. know themselves as well as they think they do. That's very. That's <laughs> a good point because I mean, just that same point where what other people expect, it's really what I expect of myself, and like learned yeah. experiences, like and learned behaviors and all that. Yeah. Do I am I okay with those? And yes. that's that's where like I have to keep on checking myself with things because yeah. I say a lot of offensive stuff as a joke because I think yeah. sometimes that's yeah. that's fine, but yeah. then when it hurts other people or when it's something that's just gone yeah. off the case, then it's going to be. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, as with most things, it's context. If right. you're just having this conversation with a bunch of people you know and they know that you're joking, right. then you can say much harsher things right. than you would otherwise. Like, or if they're self-referential jokes, I can call myself a fat ass, and it's okay. <laughs> if someone else calls me a fat ass, then we got a problem. And so it's, yeah, so it's, it's, it's context means a lot, but it's also what people are learning with social media's explosion is that when you post it online, it's not a private conversation. There's always a other audience there. And they're mostly a silent audience, but they're, they are listening. No matter how few friends you think you have, someone's reading that shit. Mm-hmm. And it matters. And so having a conversation just with three of us is different than if we were having it online. Right. So, yeah. So, um, and, and social media really does... It, it's a, it was a game changer. It still is. Um, Bo Burnham mentioned in last, his last uh, stand-up how everyone wants an audience and this is like a yeah. generation that strives for an audience. Yeah. So we really put a lot of stuff out there and you know, just hoping for a reaction or whatever yeah. it may be. Well, but, it works. Yeah, it works, and everyone mm-hmm. has a platform now yeah. to say things. But sometimes that can be dangerous too if it's negative it's very re- rhetoric. Form. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's both super positive and super dangerous. Right. Like it, you can do anything if you know how to figure out the internet. Now right. you can also go down wormholes where you become the bad guy very easily. Yeah, <laughs> that's true too. I see it with my kids. They watch some of these. Like they've watched people like PewDiePie and all this stuff. Stuff that my when I was at their age, the idea of watching someone else play video games would never fucking come up. <laughs> I was mad when I was watching other people play the video game because it wasn't my turn. <laughs> and now the people watch that and make million dollars off of it and shit. And so, but these people are—they're the same. There's that toxic nerd group that are the same as the gamer gators and all that stuff. They don't like women. They don't know women. They fear them and they don't like them. So they attack. He's <laughs> the guy. Is what Swedish or something that has a. I don't know. He's just. I don't know much about his background. I had never heard of him. My kid was watching him. And sent me one of his things, and then I was just like, "Yeah, it's not my thing" or whatever. And then he got busted saying he. He's the one that a couple of weeks ago was playing one of those live things and called other play the N word. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it was like apparently there's a history of him using you know derogatory terms and like a oh. lot of those live no, gaming right. things. I yeah. did read an article about how he's very anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so like we're so oh. Kind of just further context in mind. I grew up in the deep south. People don't know mm-hmm. that Tall- Tallahassee is the <laughs> saying. I don't know if this saying got down there, but the, the saying that a lot of people would say about Florida is: the further north you go, the deeper south you get. Because North Florida is south. The, the Panhandle they call L.A. Lower Alabama, because mm-hmm. that whole, that's where Joe Scarborough was elected from and all that stuff. So it's like North Florida, except for Tallahassee. And Gainesville, everything north of that is blood red. It's as redneck and conservative <laughs> as possible. Tallahassee has, you know, two colleges, and the, so the two little counties next to it are pretty liberal too. And that's why you watch the election like maps of Florida. It'll be that one little blue island up in North Florida. That's where I grew up. So, mm-hmm. but um, it's also very deep South Southern Baptist, very segregated even now. Mm-hmm. Like Tallahassee has black parts of town and white parts of town, and there's not a lot of crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and. Uh, it's, I grew up there in the 70s and 80s, so it was even worse back then, and so to the part where there was, there's a type of community growing up there that there's one gay bar in town, and if you're even in the neighborhood, you could probably get beat up. Not by gay people, 
by gay bashers. And so it was a place that, when I was a kid, I remember seeing the KKK in uniforms marching during a parade. Like, the, the city parade, like, uh, is a springtime Tallahassee parade, and the Grand Marshal is a character dressed up as Andrew Jackson, celebrating a genocidal murderer as, like, because he was the first governor. And then, of course, the Florida State has, like, the Osceola and the war chant, and they, uh, they invented all that stupid-ass shit. And Osceola's, they have Chief Osceola, they say it's a, you know, it's a, a tribute, and it's always played by a white guy. <laughs> Every time it's a white guy in traditional garb and paint and stuff, yeah. stereotypical, of course, and it's just a fucking nightmare of a town, and the liberals are assholes. So, they're the assholes because, <laughs> yeah. like... Just, it's southern redneck culture. Just because you throw some money into it doesn't make it go away. Uh, and it was a it was a really bad racial hot spot in the civil rights movement. The second biggest bus boycott was there. And there's a the bus station, there's a big statue of a guy named C.K. Steele. And he was one of MLK's right-hand like, partners. And people don't recognize that Tallahassee was that big of a part of it. Um, but of course it was because you have Florida A&M there. So this town's doing something bad. You have a lot of students there who are have more free time and you're, they see oppression students are always the ones that jump in and fight stuff so mm-hmm. yeah so Florida Tallahassee was big about that but it, there's still lots of tensions there now so it's, it's a horrific but that's that's how I grew up yeah well <laughs> I, I mean I, I grew up in various facets because it, it, it's 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 it only hit me recently that Miami and Jamaica are very different when it comes to one very specific thing and that's the gay population mm-hmm. um, if you're gay in Jamaica that is a horrible thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, up until I left, and probably still now, because after I left, they had a song called uh, Chichi Man, mm. and that song was about burning gay people. Yeah. And everyone loves the song. It's a catchy song, but it's, yeah. it's really, it's a thing where, like, it, part of the culture is gay people deserve to die. Yeah, yeah. And, like, if you don't deserve to die, they threw acid on gay people when I was yeah. younger. And, like, that's a thing they did to yeah. like, make you look, and, and trans was even worse. Yeah. And then yeah. I moved to... Oh, that's... Just you just realized what the song's about? Teaching my bum Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a, quite a bit of... I'd, I'd heard quite a bit of, uh, you know, dance hall has quite a bit of that stuff. Oh, yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot like, of it. Yeah. There's a lot of homophobia there. And people yeah. who you know are gay, and like me, growing up, I'm like, okay, I accept you for who you are. You never said that. Yeah. You never called them out of it because they can get hurt, violently yeah. hurt. Yeah, yeah. And then I moved to Miami where gay is everything. Yeah. <laughs> and that was awesome. I was like, wow, this is insane. Like. Yeah. But then there's a whole bunch of other issues, too. Just like in Jamaica, race is a huge thing. If you're white, yeah. or my skin, which isn't white, mm-hmm. it's white enough that yeah. you are uh, minority and rich. And they, 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 I've been robbed a couple of times when I was younger. My mom was robbed right in front of me a couple of times. Yeah. And it's, we didn't have money. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just a thing. So, like, going to Miami, having that whole different culture, yeah. and Spanish people were, like, now the... The majority, if you didn't mm-hmm. speak Spanish, you were kind of cast aside when it came to school or yeah. um, work and all that stuff. So, like, I kind of grew up in a dichotomy of how people feel. And I kind of, I don't land in me, I definitely land in a place where I feel if you are something, you sh- everyone should accept it as long as it's not hurting other people. Yeah. In a way, like, I'm, I'm not saying, like, everyone is allowed to do anything. Murderers should be punished for what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're a pedophile, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very negative yeah. thing. But um, that, that's, how, that's how Jamaicans used to treat gay people is... As pedophiles and things like that, and people, yeah. it was just it was terrifying. Yeah, and I, I coming up here now is like the perfect like middle ground of yeah. There's a lot of acceptance in DC. Yeah, 
but I, I, I love the fact that I can have conversations with different kinds of people. Yeah. And we have a very similar mentality on things because I'm coming from very different backgrounds. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, that's the story of DC to me is, like, there's so many people from so many different backgrounds that all came here for related or similar reasons, and they all just get along, and none of that other stuff matters. Is life and death in other towns mm-hmm. just flies by here because we, we're just, it's... It's like living in the future compared to some of the other parts of the country. I, like, those places will get there eventually, right, right, but right. We're, we've been there for a while. And, and that's <laughs> like, come on, here join there's, us. Here, there's, uh, there's definitely an economic struggle in some parts of it, but mm-hmm. it's kind of a little bubble here where you get to do what you need to do and survive yeah. and not have to worry about that. Because I go back to my friends in, yeah. uh, in other parts of the country, and they're struggling hard yeah. when it comes mm-hmm. to the economy. But yeah. what was it like growing up for you in... So back home um, in Nigeria, my not necessarily had a silver spoon, but my dad was kind of semi-well off. He was like the CFO of um, this uh, company, grassroots company. So he used to travel a lot and get like access to a lot of money. Um, me and my sister always went to private school. Um, we had drivers. Um, then things <laughs> things yeah. close to the end, they'll kind of got a bit rough because people, some of the people that my dad worked with wanted him to embezzle the millions that he was getting, <laughs> and my dad was like, "Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that." And again, he's very, very religious, and he, you know, he, things for him are black and white. Mm-hmm. If it's wrong, it's wrong. There's no middle ground. There's no, oh, I'll just do this to save my life. It's like I'm not going to do it. Um, what, started, what religion? Uh, you don't have uh, to say if you don't want to. It's just, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. All my family, except for one, all Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's my family was Catholic and Southern Baptist, which mm-hmm. is a terrible combination, but <laughs> <laughs> not a good combo. I don't know why I just assumed you're Jewish, but that's really No. <laughs> but uh, things took a turn for us. Um, for... Before we moved to this country, or the reason we moved to this country is they wanted him to embezzle the money. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. So a number of times they tried to kill him. The first time, they posed as armed robbers and came to our house wow. at night. Um, if my, if our dogs did not a lot, we had a fence and gate. The dogs started a lot in us, so my dad was like, something's not right. He, somebody was trying to open the door. That's when he noticed, like they were screaming, they were saying something's not right. So he ran, went up to the roof somewhere and hid. Um, the robbers came in. Um, my grandmother was with us, and my uh, three three cousins and two other family friends. So they were staying with us. They rounded everyone up, started beating my grandmother, started beating my cousin. We eventually survived that night, and if my dad hadn't hit, they would have killed him. That was the first time. Because of that, well, they were trying to get to him any way they could. So my dad realized this. So, like, every, I think it was every six months, me and my sister had to switch school. Just so they couldn't find us to get to him. So eventually that kept going on. They tried, I think, two other times to try to kill him, and they didn't thankfully succeed. But eventually my parents were like, okay, we've had enough. We're moving to London to go live with your uncle and aunts there. So I'm like, okay, I'm fine with them. As a kid, I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to London and talk to But we, I mean, aside from the things of where, you know, he was getting killed and that, or trying to kill him, they always tried to 
not let us get involved or get affected by it. Mm-hmm. We knew something was going on, but they shielded us and we had a lot of family and friends around us that helped us. But right as we were living for London is when my mom found out that she won the uh, visa lottery for the United States. And it was like, wow, okay, so we're coming to the U.S. instead. So we came with, um, uh, stayed with my cousin, uh, my aunt, not cousin, for a couple of months. And then my parents found a place. But we went from having a silver spoon, so to say, to my parents coming to this country with literally $800 to their name with no job and there were my you dad, said 96? Yeah, yeah 96 the first year we got it was the blizzard of 96 that was my introduction <laughs> into the blizzard I, yeah, it was, I, and I hated it like we would have to walk because my dad didn't have a car so we would have to walk in the and snow to the <laughs> store and by the time I got back my feet would be all red and like wow. numb and my fingers so I'm like well why do we have to do this and then you see parents struggling like my dad started out as a he started out um what's it called as a lawnmower um landscaper landscaper mm-hmm. my mom used to clean work with the jars no he worked with the cookmans oh okay um actually the cookmans are the ones that gave um, my dad bought um, the Cooper's truck. That was his first so, car. The funny thing is, like, I met him like 10, 12 years ago or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. We ended up growing up with similar people, but just never really knowing each other. Yeah. Right. And then we became best friends. And honestly, I don't know any of this story, which is the craziest <laughs> thing. Yeah. I've known him, a best friend for like 10 years, and I have no <laughs> idea about half this stuff. And yeah, we don't talk about it a lot. It's just, you know, it, it was part of life. But we also, they started out as a landscaper, as uh, my mom was a janitor to we didn't have anything there were days that my mom was like talking to my dad i would have been them and she's saying we don't have any food in the fridge yeah. how are we going to feed these kids and to randomly just having friends that were that go to the church with us just knocking on door, showing up like all right guys i'm taking to go shopping and my friends like wait what we yeah. don't have any money like it's okay we got you so yeah people doing that though like the exact same thing happened. Yeah. I grew up with Josephus as well. Yeah. And like knocking the door when they knew we had nothing. Like yeah. they, my, my parents didn't say a thing when we right. went to the Kingdom Hall. Right. But like it was uh, they, one of those things like people would just show up with food knowing yeah. and just see yeah. food, clothes. Yeah. We yeah. didn't have winter jackets, parents didn't have money to buy it. They would just say, Yeah, yeah. my kids can't wear this anymore. There you go. You know? Yeah. You know that song uh Kid Rock singing, he's like, I'm not straight out of Compton, I'm straight out of the trailer. No. no, it's like one of his first songs, but he's like, I'm not straight out of Compton, I'm straight out the trailer. Yeah. And he's from Michigan, and like, that's literally my background. So much to the point where my cousin moved up there and was roommates with Ken Rock at one point. Oh, whoa, like, and he, was, awesome. he used to bodyguard for Eminem, and he ran a strip club up there and everything, like, so he's plugged into that Detroit scene or whatever. Oh, but yeah. we grew up in trailer parks in North Florida, and my mom was single, and so that thing with people coming over, we survived. Like, for eight years, I wore all hand-me-down clothes given mm-hmm. from people I never yeah. met. Yeah. And so it was like that kind of thing was vital, but it's also the type of thing that seems like we could solve all those problems very easily. We don't have to do it this way. That's, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that's that, that's a funny thing. Like, yeah. um, I was talking to a couple of friends, because I have a lot of intelligent friends like you, and Lyle's been a very close friend of mine, but, like, my friend Micah and a few other people who are just hyper-intelligent and just 
kind of stuck in a way of just earning a certain amount of money and being in this sort of like not because there's no such thing as middle class right now yeah. just this kind of area where you're, yeah. you're, you're paycheck to paycheck and you're doing anything and you're not mm-hmm. worried but like you really have nothing for you to in your name yeah. and uh, you're just kind of like living that way and yeah. it's become the very very much the norm now yeah. and I mean before that the norm was everyone helping everyone but now it's kind of like you make your thing and you kind of like you're good Yeah. and I, I don't know how, what to classify that as, but it shouldn't be that way. There's people who like think of us an app that I thought about ten years ago just didn't have the ability to do it, and then now they're multimillionaires. Yeah, and they have lived the sweet life, and like man, I, I, there's there's this weird get rich quick mentality that people mm-hmm. somehow capitalize on, and then there's yeah. me and you, and then it's like it's it's weird. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like this is one of the things like through work we try to stress is the idea that. The economy is not this external force. It's a bunch of choices. Mm-hmm. What happens in the economy? This person made a choice. This a- agency made a choice. It's choices. That's what happens. So when you say the economy just did that, no, we did that. Yeah. We made choices. Yeah. And um, whether you have government run the economy or not, what, everything the government does affects the economy. Mm-hmm. They buy stuff. They sell stuff. They you know fund things. That's the, all the economy. And they have the most money, so they're the biggest influence. And so... When that's poorly managed, a lot of us suffer, and it's been poorly managed for so long that you have, you know, in a city like this, you have so many people living in poverty because the economy here is just so out of whack, right. and that you have entire families living in shit that I would have, you know, even the trailers I lived in make those places look like, you know, shitholes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's entire families living all over, the, like, parts of this town. It's just insane. And there's no reason for it. Just like there's no reason for homelessness. Like, that's an easy solution. There's empty houses everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's people that could live in them. It's, mm-hmm. it's like we choose not to do it. Have so. you been in Denver? Yeah. It's uh, insane. Yeah. The homeless, and like, it's a simple solution, but, like, it's, it's yeah. it was, like, sad and... Uh, there's like homeless like colonies mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's insane there's a spot right next to my work it's uh right off of 16th and um I and uh if you go in, you keep going down I and it's the MPAA building yeah and it's like right there on that corner and there's a a grove of little bushes right there and when you walk by it's the most disgusting place I've seen in DC literally there's just all kinds of trash back there but it's also they all go to the bathroom there. Oh. And so you walk by, you're just like a block from, two blocks from the White House, there's mm-hmm. a spot right there that so many homeless people piss and shit at that it jumps out and punches you in the face and yeah. it's just covered with trash and everything. Literally two blocks from the White House. There's no reason this yeah. should exist. There's no reason that people should have to sleep in those subway things. There's no reason for it. It's a choice that we made um, based on some of these dumbass expectations like if you give someone charity, then they won't do for themselves. Bullshit. Well, that's <laughs> Nobody wants to be charity case. Right. They want to right. succeed and do right. it and get out there. Which, Unless their brain doesn't work, which is most homeless people have some kind of mental illness and they can't live in the normal confines and we won't help them and it's fucked up. And the period so. we've all been charity cases growing up in the same way, but like that's the thing I that that is appreciated. They make me feel like yeah. everyone's gonna give me anything. Yeah. Like growing up rich you probably expected people to give you stuff, but then you learn well, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's still actually one thing that I'm always thinking to my parents about even when they had it wasn't always give everything I want this fire they always said no you have to work for it mm-hmm. like we worked for this you have to work for it so even though we had money back home I didn't come here like oh I, I wasn't spoiled yeah so and again you kind of go by what the parents say like do this or do that it's like okay fine 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 yeah so it, but the one thing that it 
taught me though that I learned from you where everyone was coming in to help, I always said, if I'm able to, even if I don't have whatever little I can, I would try to do the same for somebody else. Because you don't does. know. Like, like, yeah. Literally, I know this guy's been so broke. And like given the show off his back to people, yeah, it's one of those things where like it, that's a cornerstone of who he is for yeah. sure. Yeah. It just you don't know what that little thing could do for that person. It could, it could literally change their it day can. or yeah. even their, their life. life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I've always been a big. I saw it. I would so my brain works differently. I have Asperger's, and so if, <laughs> if things that I see don't make sense to me, then I can't just buy into them. Mm. I can't like I can't lie to myself. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's fucking painful. I wish I could at times, but I can't lie to myself. I can lie publicly, but I'm bad at it. Right. I can lie to people, but I'm really bad at it. So I generally don't. I'm very honest, which of course you know is not always the way to go, but it's the way I go. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's why I, like people te- and either tend to really get along with me or they tend to really hate me. And so it's, there's not a lot of middle ground. And so it's one of those things. But it's also because like. I just, I'm not going to let you bullshit me. I'm not going to let you, like, take advantage of me. I've been in situations before when I was younger, not exploring, like, how I should treat other people, especially women, and being completely in the wrong when I look back at it, like, how I discussed something with them, mm-hmm. or whether or not, like, she was drunk and I made out with her, yeah. and whether or not that was consensual in one way or another, if, yeah. if it wasn't sex in one way, like, it's just one of those things where... I one of the learned behaviors I had was like I'm a man. I if I want something, I have to go grab it. That's something I had to get out of my head for a long, long time because yeah. it's not a good mentality. Yeah. Some people like the guy you're talking about. How you discuss something with that person? Um, I don't know how I would react to that ten years ago versus how I'd react to that now. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. now, I'd beat the crap out of the person because mm-hmm. he always yeah. did something wrong. Yeah. Ten years ago, like, well, is that really what happened? And like be just very skeptical and be like the same like whole. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna like victimize the the the, the guy. Yeah. The the girl is obviously lying because that's what happens all the time. That that yeah. kind of stuff is just annoying to me. And yeah. I, I I used to be that way all the time as well. Yeah. I think like. Well, so what's what what did you say? What was your religious background? Same as his. Oh, okay. Oh, and that's how y'all met. Sort of. Actually, actually, we met at work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. We just we just happened to be talking one day and realized yeah. we knew a lot of the same people. But he he started a. Working at the same company I did, and we just started hitting. Oh, okay. And did you have a like a strong, tight knit family like he did, or was no, it more? Yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Mine was not like that at all. Oh yeah. <laughs> Constant civil, like a like a like a reality TV show family with mm-hmm. infighting, and like literally from one holiday to the next, when we'd all gather, there'd be shifting alliances, and there'd be everybody's <laughs> drunk or high and fighting, and like. <laughs> so my parents were, my mom and my dad were actually hippies like hardcore hippies like they took us uh, when we were running when we were real young to places like nudist camps like <laughs> big family nudist community communes and shit like that and all kinds of stuff um they were divorced by the time i was eight though and then split up and so my dad was in in prison or out of state working on stuff and various different things so he wasn't around much for most of that until around high, like midway through high school but um so I was mostly raised with my, living with my mom, but we'd get passed around to family members here and there too, and they were both too, you know, whatever to, uh, my mom, hardcore drug addicts, like, um, in terms of, she used to do all kinds of stuff. Um, and she's an interesting case in that she's had a really rough life and done a really, I'll, I'll just say our relationship has been very, very bad and mostly coming in my direction, like, some things that you would certainly classify as abuse and stuff like that 
but she was from such an abusive situation and got taken from her very abusive father at 16, moving in and dating my dad, who at the time was 30, and I was born when she was 17. And so she never got a chance growing up with a strict Catholic family and um, Southern thing and being young and interested in music and all this stuff at a time when all that shit was considered verboten or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of nev- never allowed to become, grow into a real person. Mm-hmm. And so she's, she's got some, she's trying and she tries hard, but she, her life turned out a lot less than it could have been because just everybody took advantage of her or did something negative to her. And so she passed with that along. Like that's she had no control over it, really. It was just, you know, too young. Victim of her circumstances. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, like, you, you said tight, close-knit family. Like, I immediately, my answer is yes. But, like, in this very similar vein, my uncle was a drug addict and they tore mm-hmm. the family apart many yeah. times. My grandfather was a racist and he was a gambling addict. My, like, a lot of my family have uh, very strong issues with, like, yeah. rage. Like, a couple of my uncles yeah. say, but my, my, my father, my biological father... Was an alcoholic and like didn't I haven't seen him since I was probably six years old. Mm-hmm. But like it, it's one of those things where like I have a fa- my family the, the family that was there I, they, they 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 trust each other a lot of that had to do with religion honestly mm-hmm. which really held them a lot together. Mm-hmm. But like there was this this severe dysfunction in my family yeah. and talking about like the the women in my family my mother my mother is extremely smart and has been held down most of her life. Mm-hmm. Just based on the fact that she wanted the best for everyone around her, but also in her head was like, all right, I need to live this way because the Bible tells me to live this way, rather than yeah. you know, fulfill her way that she could have been. Which I mean, she's an amazing artist, and she's just uh, just uh, she pulls herself down all the time. But all the women in my family basically have that same like kind of mentality where uh, they've been taught that they have a certain position mm-hmm. rather than yeah. grow into a certain p- yeah. personality and create your own position a certain way yeah so I, I uh to to like commiserate with you the the people who I love the most people I see are the strongest are a lot of times just kept into this bubble yeah because of the the circumstance they're in in the same way so in that growing up period like between say you know the early background stuff and you know up to high school graduation age like where what things influenced the way that you interacted with and thought about women? Like what informed you? Like because that's like because <laughs> that's oh, where a lot geez. of like, this is where a lot of the foundation comes so, from. Yeah, I'm interested now. <laughs> um, for me, it was mainly um, it was not just the religious values or religious issues I had, but also with um, when I saw with the culture too, and when I saw with my parents. So culture, at least back home, the Nigerian culture, the I mean the African culture, it's always the the husband is the head of the family, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, yeah, the husband is the okay. Yeah, yeah. The husband is the head of the family, <clears throat> and I mean, and women are supposed to subject themselves to that. Yeah. I saw that happening with my parents, but. My dad never looked down at her or never thought she was lesser. Mm-hmm. He actually, w- looking at them, it's like, why is it if I ever get married, I want that type of marriage? Because they were like helping each other. Mm-hmm. There were things, I mean, my dad, both of them are smart as hell. There are things that my dad would want to do, but he always talks it through because he says, what would you do? Or what mm-hmm. do you think about it? So saying that, 
I, I, you know, I had the knew to respect women, and I do respect women. Almost kicked in, of course, and from respecting women, you got the oh, she's cute. I have, you know, I have a crush on her type mm -hmm. of thing. But yeah, so from they went from oh, he went from you know respected and being taking them as an individual to, oh, I'm attracted to this person, that's all I can see. Mm -hmm. When I was that age. Yeah. It took until, <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of that's hormones. Yeah. yeah, so, <laughs> so, yeah. It took until, you know, after I school that age, okay, I'm attracted to her, but she's still, you know, she's still a person, she's still somebody that's a human like you, so. But, yeah. And, and, but most of it was, I looked within, with my, at least with my parents, and then there were the teachings that I learned from mm -hmm. uh, being um, a witness. Um, so were it, there other, like, other, particularly after you moved here, other, like, female influences, like, friends of the family or co yeah, like, other they, people that came in? There definitely were. Um, one of my, she passed away a few years ago. She's, um, actually, when I was uh, homeschooled for high school, a husband, I used to work with them to help them paint, and she was around. She, and she, whenever my parents were at work, we sometimes would go over there and stay there. So she was like another mother for me. Um, so she was around, and then growing up, my aunts and my grandmother, at least back home, were the ones that raised me. They were the ones that, you know, my parents both worked. So instead of at, um, hiring outsiders, they just say please come and watch my kids and like you know that's what happened so I was always surrounded by women mm -hmm. growing up and even here I had my little sister me and I never got along growing up but there were always women around me mm -hmm. and so I was able to see strong um, at least strong people people with strong um, not images but strong um, what do you call it I'm drawing a blank um, not resolved personalities. Yeah. That's it. Uh, there, there were. I was surrounded by women with a lot of strong personalities. So it, for me, it was never a thing of looking down at them because I realized what I could do or any guy could do, they could very well do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I, that's what I was able to see. Um, I mean, I've been been going to like I guess. Walking around, you hear things and you see things from other people, from other experiences of women being treated bad. So I saw that. I have a hard stories of that. Mm -hmm. And when you see that contrasting with what I actually lived with, it was different. Yeah. It helped me to see, okay, no, that doesn't look right. Why It doesn't look like this. This seems a lot more respectful and, and you know, not well-mannered, but respectful and right compared to this, you know, so... It's yeah. it's one of those things like uh, I, I get where he's coming from too because my biological father is a non-entity in this equation here for me except for the fact that I was angry at him as a father figure when yeah. I was younger but never showed it at all because mm -hmm. um, I mean just, again non-entity just upset that he wasn't there my stepfather came into my life when I was probably seven years old mm -hmm. and uh, he very much respected my mother he definitely had biblical viewpoints in how uh, women are treated, and a lot of that was based on loving uh, actions, you know, like make sure, you know, 
a husband should love their wife is kind of like one of those things that we know. Like a, yeah. a, 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 a wife should respect the husband, but a husband should love the wife. So very much love was a key point mm-hmm. of that. So very respectful. But then there's things like, you know, I'm the head of the household, so I have a final decision kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Always didn't fly well with me because, I mean, some people's voices need to be heard. Yeah. But there's still a basis of love on there, a lot of what was going on there. But I grew up with my, my aunt and my grandmother, my aunt being three years older than me, so she's like my sister. Yeah. She's my mother's sister. Her and I grew up just like together. Yeah. And like, I mean, there's a lot of tragic things that happened when we were growing up, and she was the person there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, the, the, my, my, the, the archetype of human humanity was my aunt, a female mm-hmm. figure, and my mother being brilliant and like kind and just like the, the person I grew up to be was because my mother was just like, you give everyone everything, and you can you can live without it. You're strong enough to do that. That came from her. Yeah. None of the male influences in my family were what gave me my personality that I like. Mm-hmm. The personalities that didn't like, like the quick to anger thing when I was younger, was because of the male forces in my family. The like the 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 part, the, the way of like trying to become the center of attention. That's literally like all the males in my family. Yeah. Um, the addictive personalities. Uh, that's from the male parts yeah, yeah, of my family. All the negative things are really from that. So, like, as I grew up and the whole, like, you and I analyze people differently, yeah. and emotions are more of a, I'm trying to understand this more than I'm feeling this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> when I try to understand how I felt about something, I kind of try to look at it from what I saw before, and every time I saw a stronger or more appeasing personality trait, mm-hmm. it came from the women in my family. Whether, like, it was based on the religious where we grew up or just in general how brilliant and kind and wonderful these women were mm-hmm. and to this day still are I shouldn't say were because my aunt is awesome my mother is awesome my grandmother she's like she's the kindest person to a fault yeah. and like all those things are just uh, the, the interaction between the male and the female were the thing I just really looked up to the, the women there mm-hmm. and uh, to this day it's the same way I, I, I also after growing up is another thing because a lot of things that, you know, when you do kind of separate yourself from a family for a while, you look at other interactions and see, like, certain things are just bothersome and yeah. problematic in, I hate that word, but <laughs> problematic yeah. in the way we interact with each other as male right. and female, but you grow up and be your own self, and then all these other aspects come into play. But as a child, like, I actually was very benefit, benefit like, it was very beneficial for me to see and learn from the, those three matriarchal parts mm-hmm. of my family. Mine was, so I, my family was completely absentee. And so, like, for many, many years, I'm effectively raising myself. And that was a really bad thing with the type of Asperger's I have. And this is before it was diagnosed or treated or anything like that. Nobody even knew, like, they didn't even, the first time it was ever diagnosed wasn't until, like, 92. Well, I'd already graduated high school. Yeah, I was 21 when I got diagnosed. Yeah, and so... Um, but they, it wasn't even in the it was it wasn't even in like the DSM until right then. It was in that four was the first time it was in the DSM, and so it was that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it was like there was no and so my my under my understanding is always very transactional, meaning that if I've never seen something, I, I can't pre-think of it at that point. So, like, you know, if I've never encountered this, a woman in this scenario, then I have no idea how to handle it when I do get into it. Uh, And so, now, once you do something, you can learn from it, especially if you understand it. But if you don't understand the process there, no one will tell you, and there's no one to teach you how to do it, you just kind of figure it out. Or you get it from pop culture. (laughs) And so a significant... 
portion of what I learned and thought and knew I got from movies and TV because there was no uh, people there. It was just, you know. Remember, did you ever hear about the latchkey kids phenomenon? I was, when that first came out, I was one of those kids. Or like, I'd go home and just be by myself. I'm brother, but he would get out of school later because he's four years younger. And most of the time, that's, he would be in the, you know, most of the time he was in the other school. So he'd get home an hour later than me. But like, literally my teacher on most of that stuff for most of, all the way up through like high school level and even a little beyond was pop culture. And so pop culture of the 70s and 80s, which is really fucking toxic. <laughs> Even the good stuff, you go back and look at it now and you're like, holy <laughs> shit, this is fucking offensive as fuck. Um, a perfect example of that was Revenge of the Nerds. So Revenge of the Nerds, when it came out, was a light-hearted comedy that was equality-oriented. Right. You go back and look at it now, it's like the good guys are rapists, and they're homophobic, <coughs> and they're just as bad at being men as the guys they're supposedly spoofing the, the, the jocks. They're worse because the jocks aren't raping anybody, <laughs> and they are, and they're like installing cameras in the sorority house and right, going on right. panty raids yeah. and all this stuff. You're like, holy fuck, yeah, that's insane. Like Porkies and all those things. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Even Animal House. Animal House. Yeah. yeah, he's climbing up the ladder to peer in the window. He's just doing it, just in broad, you know, middle of the evening. He's going to call, call up and look at naked women through the, their window. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jeez, man. Yeah, it's like, yeah. These were the lighthearted fun comedies, yeah. and so that's that's where I learned this stuff, and that and like TV shows and TV shows like when I'm watching things like Cheers and stuff like that, they're not exactly, <laughs> yeah. in fact, probably one of the, which is so shocking now, is probably one of the better shows that was big back then in terms of being a role model on that kind of stuff was the Cosby show. So, it's, yeah, one of the best depictions in an era of like, a, like an equal couple that treated each other with respect and everything was done by a serial rapist. So it was the Cosby Show is one of the better representations um, in that time period. Other stuff is just like every show the mother's dead. Like it's a massive phenomenon where they couldn't, they didn't, women weren't, they didn't want women on their shows. You think about all these shows like, you know, where there's dads by themselves with no mom around or, the, you know, stuff like that. It was really, really big thing back yeah. then and it's insane. Um, um, but that's because they just didn't want to pay female actors. Acting. Mm -hmm. So that was like, you know, um, they wrote the moms out so that it was all, you know, where the Bechdel rule comes from is like yeah. back in the day there weren't any women in these anything other than as wives, mothers, sexual conquest, that kind of thing. So and like what I that's at, what I grew up learning from. I mean, I grew up learning from a similar way. Like uh, Disney was my thing. Like mm -hmm. as a kid, yeah. just uh, I loved watching Disney shows, and there were like, see Pocahontas, Pocahontas, yeah. like you know the everything wrong with Pocahontas. A lot of it has to do with the yeah. fact that it's revisionist history. Yeah. Additionally, like. The, the roles of strong female roles in the show and the movies it's, it's all terrible yeah the amount of dialogue that women get in these movies are all like 70 to 30 at best yeah and like it's uh, that's how I grew up just you know the, it's a male dominated everything yeah and even though and this stuff is directed towards kids so like in my head it's a male dominated society no matter what I look at um when you mentioned like the the, the characters you watch and anything that would have an equal male female uh some sort of dynamic even the show that I liked that I wasn't allowed to watch Rolling Grace back mm -hmm. in the day was male dominated of course it was the different kind of male yeah. dominated, but still a white male definitely dominating the show but yeah. at least women in some parts of it were respected in some ways because they weren't looked at as complete sex objects and if they were it was because they wanted to be Yeah. so it was it was it's, it's one of those things I can't even off the top of my head think of anything any movie I've ever seen where 
that hasn't been the case. Mm -hmm. And one that people keep on raving about is um, Mad Max Fury Road. Mm -hmm. And then I look at that and I'm like, yeah, that's, yes, it was a great movie. And, you know, I I think that there was a strong female lead there. I mean, there's a lot of issues in it, just in my perspective, because I believe in intersectional feminism. Mm -hmm. And when I don't see any black (laughs) roles in anything or any sort of minority roles that are pertinent, I was like, okay, yeah, great one step ahead, but yeah. still two steps back, because there's still another yeah. aspect that is not going on, so yeah. media in general has never been something that I look to anymore, mm-hmm. when I was younger, yes, you know, growing yeah. up watching those things, not at all for any sort of moral <laughs> compass or anything right. like that, because growing up, we also were taught not to look to media for any sort mm-hmm. of moral compass, yeah. like, the Bible was the way, mm-hmm. and, like, that's the way you did it, but, I mean... To, true, truth and honesty, like again, when you say a woman is a weaker vessel and then you have a patriarchal mentality, for me, the Bible isn't the way to define my moral compass when it comes to yeah. women and treating women because there's still loopholes to do whatever the heck you want Yeah. in those ways. So, like, I, I, I think Lala might disagree with me on this one, but in general, like, that still wasn't a good foundation for me to be able to actually know. And to this day, I still don't know, like, us guys, three of us talking. Well, how to treat women without a woman here is it's weird because yeah well and I did that on purpose because I would, I we'll do other shows with women no. yeah so that was well, the idea was to have guys talking I've, about this stuff. I have no bounce yeah. back now because yeah. I don't know what to like it, yeah. am I am I still in the same mentality where I'm <laughs> I'm having a misogynistic viewpoint mm-hmm. am I still in the same way of a uh, wavelength of do I do I have have I replaced my learned behaviors yeah in a way that would be beneficial for everyone yeah and that now everyone is equal but I I I don't think to this day I have. I've tried very hard, but yeah. I grew up with all these things feeding my mind, and they're yeah. still going to be there at some point. You yeah, know, I, look to it. I, I'm still unlearning the bad behaviors now, and I learned probably more bad behaviors than most people because I was getting my direction from shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, and, and there were there was, but there were cer- certain things in that thing too that also drove me the right way, though. And so, for instance, mm-hmm. like. It's not a surprise that there is a comic book tattoo on my skin because I read billion comic books back in the day, and that's a pretty awesome tattoo. Uh, yeah, uh, Columbia Heights. I got a laughing hyena. I I came across both in comic books and a couple other things later, like very explicitly feminist themes, and they really stuck with me. And so, like the first comic books I ever bought were like those the early '80s Chris Claremont X Men, and so that period, the leader of the X-Men is Storm. And there are no other black women leading anything other than black things at that time period. So this is one of these crossovers, and this is what I'm just reading for fun. And she's not just the leader of it, she's badass. A little bit later she gets the mohawk and everything and becomes yeah. the baddest, badass thing. And then that's also when Kitty Pride joins. And so it was like, that was, like, I look like, and I'm half Canadian, so Wolverine was my original thing. And I always kind of had the, like, the leadership thing and, like, Cyclops. But who I really was like was Kitty Pride. I was a little nerd who didn't have this stuff going and had the analytical brain and everything. And, like, there's an issue where she has to fight this interdimensional demon all by herself, and she's 13-year-old, and she uses her brains to get out of it. And I was like... So I'm watching Storm lead the X-Men, an African transplant who has taken over the most powerful team there is, and then 13-year-old Jewish girl nerd <laughs> beating up a demon from another dimension. And I'm like, yeah, anybody can do anything, and women are badass. And that's right. just that was the context that I grew up in. And so that kind of stuff was is influential. And later, 
grunge music bands were very explicitly feminist. Nirvana, Pearl Jam in particular, like they 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 went and played and helped out and raised money and yeah. fought for Planned Parenthood and did all this stuff. And so that reinforced it when I got into college. And so college is also one of these. Did y'all go to either one of y'all go to college? Yeah. With you, where'd you go? Um, I started at uh, Montgomery College, then switched over to uh, University of Maryland. College okay. College. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. <coughs> so and that and that's the thing is that, like. Those places can be hugely toxic as well. So um, Florida State, and I, so Maryland would probably have been very similar to Florida State. Mm-hmm. So, so that was um, one thing I, I heard about a lot. And of course, I never experienced it, but rape culture in the uh, in, in colleges. So when you yeah. say toxic, like I, I imagine, like of course, there's the the whole idea that men try to push ahead a certain in a certain way, women try to push ahead another way, and mm-hmm. that's a whole negative rhetoric. But the rape culture, until like, I mean. It didn't dawn on me how terrible it was until they had the, the women carry around mattresses for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On campus, just to like yeah. you know express themselves, and that was like that was heartbreaking. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of like real big things on that one that like so, for whatever reason, the rate of rape on campus is higher than it is elsewhere, mm-hmm. and there's probably a couple of reasons for it. But like, what you see is there's a culture around it, and it's institutionalized in a couple of ways. But the schools totally reinforce it, so. But the, the first one is the fraternity system. The fraternity system reinforced. And this is one of the things, like, so I, I grew up, you know, they were a big thing, and I watched a ton of them, these, the standard Hollywood romantic comedies, which are all deeply misogynistic. I mean, there are some exceptions here and there, but they're, like, they're, they're all basically treating you that, one, you're only measured by how attractive your girlfriend is, yeah. and two, huh. women are a trophy for if you do the right things, if you grow as a person, you'll get the attractive girl. Mm-hmm. And so it's this trophyization and this like you know um, reflection of who you are and how manly you are by how attractive your girlfriend is. And so um, th- that is institutionalized in fraternities. That's literally you. That's all that that, that happens with. It's like how many women did you get, dude, and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, and how hot were they, and all that stuff. And like not everybody in a fraternity is like that, obviously, but of them are mm-hmm. <laughs> and those how fraternity houses are some of the most dangerous places in america for women more rapes in fraternity houses than any other kind of institution that you can think of and it's just insanely bad and the fraternity culture is like someone gets accused you back them up you're bro she's lying she's a bitch and you tear her life apart and i've seen people do it and so fraternities institutionalize that and to a lesser extent college sports particularly football and basketball do mm-hmm. because those athletes College level athletes, not pro athletes, but college level athletes have a much higher rate of sexual assault than the general public. Uh, pro athletes, not so much. They're still, they're about normal, about the same. Whereas, like, college level athletes, many of them are people that have never been told no about anything in their life. They got a scholarship to Florida State or Maryland or whatever. They're the big man on campus. And no one ever told them no. Everybody's always pumping them up. And so if this woman says no, they exert their power thing at a higher rate than the general public. So, so most athletes never do anything like that. But when that athlete does, both the team and the school's thing is to rally around and protect that athlete at all costs. And I saw that exactly when Jameis Winston, but it had happened before. There are many other stories of it, but that's the big one. Tallahassee and Florida State and the cops and the state attorney rallied around Jameis Winston. Um, and... You will never know if he did it or not because they didn't investigate it in a way that you'd ever know. They made sure that the investigation didn't act timely enough or gather the right evidence and stuff's gone forever and they'll never know for sure. And there's no way... I mean, I knew that about Tallahassee police because I've 
been with a woman that went through that process. That had been a, had been raped and went to the police station with her and did all the stuff like that. She never had a chance of getting anything done about it. Um, and then I knew they were going to do that for the star quarterback on the number one ranked team who's going for the Heisman. They didn't, and of course they didn't. The school didn't really investigate it. The police were laughing at the the district attorney was telling jokes and laughing at the press conference. He said, "Where well, he's not going to pursue charges, making jokes while you know this woman seeing that her her rapist is not only not going to get punished for it, they're going to let him go out and play and be you know the superstar athlete, and then he became the number one draft pick and became millionaire rich guy, and no one ever even tried to do anything about it. And so That's athletics really enforces you. Could, you're just trying to get my team. You're trying to make us lose the game if you accuse him of this thing. And so it's just mm -hmm. like. I don't want to diverge you from the actual problem with college, but so a lot of uh, my friends who I talk to about feminist issues who are, uh, I, I would say, more conservative, but also because they're they're religious, mm -hmm. um, and these are my friends who are still religious to this day and very much you know I believe in a certain lifestyle. Uh, I was talking to two of them and. One of the guys who I never agree with anything he says, because I think he's a little overboard, threw out some numbers randomly about 70% of women who say they've been sexually assaulted are found out to be untrue. And I was like, I don't even know where you got this number, but like, I don't even know what the numbers are, but there's yeah. no way that's true. It's not even remotely so just, true. Just by the fact like I've yeah. been I've been drinking and I forced myself upon yeah. like people trying yeah. to make out with them before. Yeah. Big mistake I made when I was younger. But the actual like, stat is between 5 and 7% of accusations turn out to be false. That's, yeah. so 90, 93%. So he had it, not only know. exactly opposite, he had right. it like... Ridiculous. But that's the thing, <laughs> yeah. that that's his viewpoint of the world, because yeah. whatever it is that men think, they try to justify their actions in the past, yeah. as well as what they've seen, as well as what they've been taught, yeah. I think that's really unfair. And just to throw that out there like it's a fact, is really unfair, because it's, yeah. it's, it's the thing where... We all see it. Yeah. Even if you're, even if you, even if you're guilty of something in the, in the past, that should reinforce the fact mm -hmm. that obviously that's wrong and yeah. there's there's a real issue there. And I don't know about you, Lalu, when it comes to certain things, but you talked about the whole culture in uh, college where it's like, how many girls did you get? Blah blah. blah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't say like I've never like been the kind of guy who went out to bars and like I want to flirt with the prettiest girl there. Like, oh, I got to talk to a pretty girl all night, so, something like yeah. that, where it felt like I was justifying my actions yeah. because I got to talk to a pretty girl, so that equals my self-worth, so everyone yeah. wants to see me as a better person. Well, well, yeah, but so there's a difference between self-worth there and that external thing. Yeah. You know, if you're doing mm -hmm. it because you find someone attractive and you talk to them, there's literally nothing wrong with that, as long mm -hmm. as, you know, stay consensual and, you know, respectful and all that stuff. So there's nothing wrong with talking to people that you're attracted to. The problem is that if you're doing it so that other people will see you doing it, and mm -hmm. then your measurement is a status and this is a trophy, as opposed to this person's attractive and we have fun having a conversation, right. there's right. a massive difference there. Right, no, yeah, wait, yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. the mentality of the whole thing, like, I, I'm... It's 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 a the hunter mentality, which yeah. is a, a negative thing. Which I can't like when I was early twenties. I think you would go out with me as well, and I don't know what your mentality was. But it's like I want I want to talk to pretty girls. I want yeah. to, it's kind of a hunter mentality. Yeah. And it was now as I'm older, I'm like I want to make friends. And if this person's cool, I yeah. spend more time with them. That mm. is that I think that's an appropriate way to think. Yeah. Back in the day, I definitely didn't think that way. And it, I mean, I didn't really get into that getting out of that mode until I moved here. So I've only lived here five years, okay. and so it was like I mean, I was. So I wasn't in the hunter mode at all when I was married. Obviously, right. I wasn't. I mean, I didn't cheat or anything like that. But we got after divorce. Been single. I was single for you know a long time, and it was it was never conquest oriented. It was just like, oh, I want to go out and I'm gonna like, you know, 
flirt with women and find a woman that I like that could be in a relationship. I was always looking for a relationship, but I also, with the way my brain is fucked up and works and, you know, various things, there's only a very narrow range of personality types that it's good for that person and I to date. Samara fits perfectly in that range, so it's working out really good. Um, But a lot of other people, I just, we clash. You know how Asperger's works. Like, certain personality types, you're just going to clash with them automatically. And also, I'm like a very, like, outspoken, didactic Professor X, but also I was a college <laughs> professor and my raps are not, I don't do a lot of meta, I do metaphors, but they're all, but it's all very pointed messages and they're not like vague metaphors and vague allegations and, you know, allegories and stories. It's very like, fuck the radio. It's, you know, it's, right. <laughs> yeah. so it's like, and so I, that doesn't work for everybody. That kind right. of personality doesn't work for everybody outside of having the Asperger's and all the other things going on. So it's like, I was always looking, but I was always looking for the person that both I would be into, but also could handle this, mm. <laughs> handle the because it's not a you know a simple easy oh well, you'll just date Kenny and live happily ever after. It's more complicated than that because I have Aspergers and you know various other things have gone on and stuff like that. So it's like I someone that my mistakes and my problems wouldn't be a burden, right? Because I'm going to have them either way. Well, see that's so yeah that, that's a yeah I mean that mentality I yeah. have now. Yeah, it's very new. When I was when I was younger, <laughs> I uh, I mean, it was I had decided that I want to live my own life and not the life that people told me I yeah. should live. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to just enjoy. Like I, I started earning a decent amount of money, mm-hmm. so I can afford to go out and like drink at yeah. bars and stuff yep. like that. And then I had really good friends that I wanted to hang out with, and they also wanted to hang out with me, yep. and we could do things like that. But it was I was never looking for the love of my life mm-hmm. or someone who could at least put up with my craziness. Yeah, I would just be someone else that night. Yeah. And just go have fun and enjoy, like getting to know new people and things like that. Yeah. But it, I, 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 when it came to like definitely talking and flirting with women, I'm having Asperger's put a formula into place, and I could talk to anyone. Yeah, knows, literally any single person <laughs> in the bar. Yeah, I, I could, I could analyze them within five seconds and have a conversation with them for lots yeah. of hours. And it was a, it was I can that, do that at karaoke. See, that's literally why that's where I always go because I can meet anybody and talk to anybody in that setting because there's, there's an opening, there's a door there. Oh. That's a good song. Right. Or, oh, they come talk to me because they right. like my song There's or whatever. A so, yeah. that just in a bar, out. just yeah. talking to somebody? I can't do it's, that. No, but I mean, if, yeah. you work it out. If a stranger, I can't talk to a stranger in a bar. At a karaoke bar, I can. Or, you know, something it, up like that where there's a performance and there's right. a thing. Game night. Right. There's games. You can talk to people that way. So, But just well, walking up to somebody, no way. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't know what I was doing because that wasn't necessarily what I want. I just want to hang out with my friends, honestly. Yeah. But it seemed like that was what we were doing. Yeah. And I, I loved I loved going out with my friends and just having fun. We'd go to the same bars all the time, Murphy's yeah. and Continental, mm-hmm. and then find people we'll talk to, and then we'd yeah. spend up spending way too much money, <laughs> and like and then talking to girls all night. And it was it was a thing where I don't I still like looking back don't really get the point because I don't know any of those people I ever met in those bars to this day. Like it wasn't like yeah. this group of friends now. Yeah. We're going to hang each other, which is I, I, this is exactly. I've been looking for for yeah. a long, long time. My whole life. Like, yeah, yeah. like, I mean, yeah. I, I, I hung out with couch surfers for a long time. I still love all the couch surfers, but mm-hmm. that kind of mentality where everyone just wants to hang out with each other, mm-hmm. that, that kind of, like, large group mentality is really awesome to me. Mm-hmm. And we're all very much like-minded in the way we think about yeah. life in general, but also yeah. just important things. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I, I actually... Talk, going back to the whole, like, you know, how many girls did you, like, hook up with that night sort of... Uh, or like a pretty girl will define you. That really is like after trying to live my own life. That was a learned behavior from 
I don't even know where. Yeah. And it probably was all these movies and media that I was watching. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, like, Lala, what do you think? Like, because we were in the same boat for a long time. Yeah, really. so for me, I, so I, I had what I grew up with, but I had outside influences where I make friends really easily. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the friends I end up making, at least in good amounts of them, end up being, what's it called, end up being not necessarily the bad kids, but doing not the right things, according to what I grew up with. Yeah, yeah. So, and sometimes the friends I end up making turn out to be the popular kids, and the popular yeah. kids have their point of view. That's, that, think that's about a good stuff. point. Yeah. So, like in community college, and we were the group that you know everyone came to hang out with, and I mean, the guys were talking about, yeah, oh, this hottie's about to come hang out with me, or hey, look at those hot girls, let's go over and do this, talk yeah. to them, and see what's up. And so I, for during my college years, I was exposed to that. Mm-hmm. Then I went to after college years. Then I did a little bit of promoting. That's another different type of exposure where yeah. you don't necessarily have to go looking. People came to you. Yeah, it was fun watching that because it was a different world. <laughs> yeah. it, it really is. As a promoter is. in this yeah. like oh, yeah. area, it was. Yeah. It, they come searching for you, and they would throw whatever and do whatever, say whatever, to try to get you to either do something for them or hook them up somehow. Mm-hmm. And even, if it right. <laughs> and even if I didn't do anything with that, I saw friends of mine that were promoting that that was that was it for them. That's how they went around just, yeah. like you said, how many hot women, so to say, can I talk to tonight? And for them, it was, oh no, I just let them know I'm a promoter and they'll come talk to yeah. them. I wasn't into that scene, but I did get the benefits of free drinks sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Never hung out with them, but like, I get it. Like, you know, yeah. the the mentality of, it's a power dynamic at that point, too. Yeah. Same so, thing as like when I was a teacher, a college professor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I was going to the same bars that some of my students went to so there would be all these weird things that would happen and dynamics there and so I was just like no I gotta stay away from you <laughs> that's very dangerous so yeah, yeah. I yeah. I um I'm very curious as to how what shift in everyone's life made them kind of realize that this is not good behavior for um I for me I uh I guess from like 21 to 25 like going out drinking and that's the problem in itself and then like making the point to like meet people that I don't know and just have like literally a conversation with them for one night or make out with them immediately mm-hmm. or just like literally like buy drinks for the entire bar and then go home like all those kind of that party mentality I don't know when that shifted but yeah. I don't want to blame growing up because <laughs> that, that's not I think people will do that all the time for a long, long time. I think, it honestly, when I started realizing that I wanted something more substantial mm-hmm. with friends, and I guess a lot of the people that we met, like, uh, we eventually had, like, a, a lot of friends who were, like, from other countries, mm-hmm. German, mm-hmm. Germany, France, Poland, all those places, and started to see how they viewed the world and, like, respecting the fact that they wanted more than just, you know hanging out and drinking they wanted yeah. to have friends that were there all the time mm-hmm. and discussions that really mattered then maybe I started adjusting my mentality but I don't know 
if that really was it or if it, I don't know exactly what, what changed my viewpoint on how to treat women specifically but just generally how my lifestyle was yeah um, what, what what changed yours so it, it's very gradual over time you know so like very early on even when I was doing all the clubbing and all that stuff like that I was always very much I'm not I don't do one night stands I'm not trying to just fucking run and that kind of thing and that was never my thing I'd like it's hard to get to know people with Asperger's. It's hard to get past initial sexual awkwardness with a new person. So all that stuff just got better the more times you do it. So I would always wanted to be in situations where I got to know the person better because everything was better when you did that. So it didn't always work because Asperger's yeah. dating is a rocky thing, especially when you're a teen and young adult and stuff like that. So it was started there, but that always differentiated me from most of the guys in Tallahassee, Florida State guys, stuff like that. They all just want to go fuck and stuff like that. And so it was always like being this, like, I'm the weird one in the group, and I'm not, I can't even talk about this stuff. I have to hide that in those crowds or whatever. I have to be trying to fuck too and not just trying to, you know, whatever. And so it was like that after a while, I was just like, man, I just don't want to be around these people at all. They're putting that pressure on them. You've got to do it and think about it this way. And you're like, oh, you do that, you know. You know, people telling you what you think and feel, and they're just way off. <laughs> like, you know, there's like so like a, a non-specific example that just, because this one popped into my head, is like, we were watching, like, uh, we were at a party, Super Bowl party or something like that, and there was a guy that came out, and if he threw the football into the helmet thing, he gets a million dollars or whatever, and he's wearing all the Dr. Pepper clothes, and I said, dude, I wouldn't do that. And the guy was like, yeah, you would. I wouldn't say that. Did you? And it's this kind of thing, like, they are, like, you're dumb for expressing, like, some kind of thought different than the herd mentality, and it was much more explicit when it came to women and stuff like that. So it was like um, noticing that, and then noticing those were also the people that later were also the same people that women told me were assholes or abusive and stuff like that. And so it's like, but it it's like realizing, and this is a very common pattern with Asperger's. You do something. You make a mistake, and then you realize, fuck, I fucked that up. Yeah. And then saying, shit, I don't want to do that again. Some of it was really... So, you, like... And I know this is kind of a generalized thing, both with, you know, masculinity, but also with, um, you know, any kind of conflict and stuff. But it's extra with Asperger's, this idea that if I'm right, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm right, I can do anything now. I've been, like... I, I'm, so, like, if you get in an argument with someone, like you're dating or something like that... If you're right, then you can yell and you can escalate and you can be a dick about it because you're right and that excuses it. And that's a terrible mindset. But like I had that for years. And once I realized that it doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong for most of these things, it only matters how you treat people. And so you can be perfectly right and correct on everything. If you're still a dick to people, you're still a dick. And it doesn't matter that you're right. And so there was a shift in that, and that's relatively recent. Again, that's kind of a DC. I mean, I started thinking things along that line and gradual, but like it became very explicit a couple of years ago, and I realized that shit. I did. I, I had this thing where if I'm right, and I can see the evidence, and I know I'm right, and you can see hints of it in politics stuff because I still, when it's about that that abstract thing as opposed to interpersonal, I will still go like hardcore revolutionary that type of thing. But you don't do that to a person. You don't do it individually. You do it generically to politics or to, you know, the president of this office, this abstract figure. You don't do it to a person in front of you. You don't do it. And then that, that shift there has made all the difference in the world. That's, an, yeah. that's interesting because, yeah. I mean, we grew up differently. Yeah. And so, like, I, uh, the, the behavior of wanting to 
I wanted people to like me from when I was younger. Yeah. At first, I didn't care. Like, it yeah. was a thing like, what? This doesn't make any sense. I'm right. This is how it's going to go and move forward. Yeah. But, like, probably middle teenage years when I spent more time with other people than my family who obviously like me or show, show love to me mm-hmm. um, and then people who I had to like interact with always say that I'm right about something and or just in general express my opinion whether or not I don't care what they thought eventually I realized I wasn't flying yeah. there were like two or three people who would accept that and looking back maybe my friend James back also had Asperger's Mm-hmm. But like in general, like the people I get, I wouldn't get along with a lot of people because of that. But then yeah. I just kind of like started to just get out of my own head mm-hmm. and look at others. Yep. And that's when I started to realize, oh man, individuals are just they're very, they. I used to see everyone as basically the same person. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I viewed the world for a long, long time. A lot of people do. And like, and yeah. that is that. Like, it, and in some ways, it's good because like male, female, whatever it is, you're exactly the same. To me. Mm-hmm. Uh, black, white, exactly the same to me. Mm-hmm. But then realizing growing up. Uh, in Miami, everyone has a very distinct personality. There are yeah. different people from here to there, like whether it be location or just general uh, environment or whatever mm-hmm. maybe makes them different or just genetics. Um, I learned how to differentiate people and learn how to interact with those people based on their individual yeah. sense. And then now I couldn't say everything I thought, whether I'm right or wrong, mm-hmm. or if I thought that I, this person needed to know something. It really is uh, a learned interaction. I can't. I can't just treat uh, Sophia like I treat Lalu because mm-hmm. they're very different people. Yep. And if Sophia came to me with a problem, doesn't mean Sophia wanted me to tell her how to solve that. Right. Lalu probably is the same thing, but yeah. Lalu also was like, hey, dude, maybe a little advice will be good for her because I'm really lost. So, yeah. like, that kind of thing, I'd, I'd have to actually listen to what people are saying or, like, understand yeah. how people are interacting with me. And then I realized that I had to apply that to every part of my life, yeah. especially when it came to. Uh, listening to a person's struggle, a classification of person's struggle, mm-hmm. and it took me a long time to get there after seven, uh, like, what is it, 15 years? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. For me, it might be right around when I got tired of, like, doing the promotion thing. Because when you were promoting... Basically, what you're doing is just going out, partying, and drinking, and just you know, seeing who's gonna come home with you tonight. Yeah, you know, it, it get, it's empty after a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, if you DJ, you get a lot of that too. So right. Various so, DJing stuff. I went through some of that too, and it was just like yeah, it, this is a lot of emptiness. Right. <laughs> it's like this people. Some of these people didn't care. The other one to is just see you there and drink with you, and yeah. when you're blowing money, and it's like why I'm, I'm tired of it then I found the couch surfing scene it's like these people actually enjoy mm-hmm. you know they enjoy traveling and they enjoy talking about traveling and they actually want to try to be friends compared to oh let's just go party yeah drink and just I mean they do that but yeah, it's yeah. not just that right you yeah. know so for me it's kind of the switch for me so I was like yeah. okay um I mean I, and then I think over the last two, three years, I've been in like different relationships where my focus has also switched yeah. from then. And once you are out, uh, once you are, I guess, in a relationship or out of something like that, your focus kind of changes from the, oh, I simply just want to do the 
jump from one bed to the other thing to saying I wanted to try to find something significant where yeah. it's not that it's somebody you can talk to. And if it's just the friends thing, that's fine. Let's be friends, let's talk, let's communicate. Um, but yeah, that, that's the only thing is when the switch kind of happened to me. I've always been able to, so like I said, I, based on... I guess having a large family, I've always been surrounded by people because my parents have a lot of friends, at least back home, who's always surrounded. So I, I was shy, but not shy in the sense where I can, if you're talking to me, I can carry a conversation mm -hmm. with you. My shyness has to do with obsessively thinking, what is this person thinking about me? Or maybe I'm not doing something right now. Or, I don't want to seem a certain way, so I'm not going to say anything, so I'm just stand back. Yeah. After high school, I, by being homeschooled in high school, I had to learn to get out of that mantle because you are by yourself. You have to make friends. Yeah. If you don't make friends, you would be alone. So I hard, homeschool taught me, yeah. forced me to make friends and know how to get outside of your own mind and say, this person that you meet is different from that person. And they might have some qualities that are similar, but they are essentially yeah. different people. Well, so, and, I, I, and I very heavily echo that. Like, a big part of where, and most of my life I had, well, I've always been, like, to the point where I call myself a feminist and advocate for the rights of women and various different things, fight against, you know, rape culture and various things like this. Right. At times, in my personal conduct, I didn't live up to that. For much of my life where it was always there was never a time where i was out there calling women bitches and fucking you know all that kind of stuff i was always on effectively on the right side politically but it didn't necessarily translate into day-to-day -day life always and a big part of the problem with that was isolation mm. and so me trying to figure it all in my head or from watching and most of my growing up period was before internet so you didn't even have all of the, the options there it was just like there were no resources because nobody made anything that taught you how to do this stuff or if they did it wasn't available in Tallahassee Florida you know mm -hmm. what I mean uh, and so it was the more I was isolated the worse I was the more I got out and met people and was forced to interact and get to know women the more things rounded out and so like for instance you know obviously like everyone, all my relationships except for one didn't work out. <laughs> I think the only one that works out is the one you're currently in, right? And so it's like all the others failed. <laughs> and so I learned from each of those situations, yeah. <laughs> I learned from each of those situations something. Um, and even when, you know, when there were uneven relationships where someone was abusive towards me and stuff like that, um, I still learn things about myself out of those situations and about what my thoughts and how I interact with people and how I escalated or de-escalated things, how I added to the problems or, you know, diminished them. And so, um, every little individual person, and the word little shouldn't have been there, <laughs> every individual person, because, you know, if someone had an impact on your life, they weren't little, right? So it was like, that was just, you know, um, learned, tried to learn something from everyone, um, all right, so you mentioned about like you know, defining yourself as something and that becomes problematic. Mm -hmm. like, you know, labeling uh, liberal conservative. I mentioned intersectional feminism, mm -hmm. like feminism, and like it was. I don't know when the switch happened that I finally realized how badly mm -hmm. things are for women. But I did date a girl like three years ago. Um, that was that was. 
uh, that I don't want to say ex- ex- extremist in the feminist mentality mm-hmm. and like men can do no right sort yeah. of thing and I um, it was it wasn't bothersome because every time she pointed out something it was in an extreme way but she was right yeah like it was it was a like yeah, yeah. that did happen you may be saying it in a loud way and shouting about it mm-hmm. and you may be really pissed off to the point where like I really wish you weren't yeah but yeah that is upsetting and yeah. that did happen and guys really don't really see that they are being this way yeah and a lot of things started to like come into play when I was like oh man like especially with the Hillary uh, the whole like yeah. I mean this is later on but like I, I was I was a Bernie supporter by the fact that I'm not gonna vote, but yeah. I think that he would he would uh um he would definitely be the kind of person that I think would be a positive influence based on what it aligns with what I think. Yeah, Hillary also has a lot of positive things, and also mm-hmm. back in the day when everyone used to say that Hillary was on the country, not Bill Clinton, sort of jokingly, yeah. uh, it like, came to light that this person, Hillary, was very much qualified to yeah. do this job. Yeah. And I wasn't, because I was supporting Bernie and she was supporting Hillary, a lot of times I would point out certain things and then immediately yeah. it would come to the point like, hey, you're obviously just thinking this way because you were told this way, but that's not really the case. Yeah. So I learned a lot of things just based yeah. on interactions with people that, who have a mentality like that and then I just didn't see it. Yeah. And I also, I, I, I say intersectional, but I, I make terrible jokes all the time. doesn't mean I think anyone's less than me. doesn't mean I yeah. think women are less than me in any way. Um, but in general, I didn't see the other small problematic things that were kept, kept happening. Yeah. And like people who worked with me as women at the time, uh, I, I worked for Bruce Allen a couple like seven eight years ago. Women, all women across the board, knowing salaries were all earning less than me. Yeah. I don't have a college degree. Yes, maybe I'm like qualified for the position I'm in, and my position probably pays a little more. Yeah. But in general, like other people who were men on their same level were definitely not earning yeah. uh, the $45,000 a year, which is ridiculous in that in yeah. that space. Like, the men were earning 50, 55 like the minimum, everything up to, like, 85, yeah. just in that specific uh, group that I was looking at. Yeah. And to, to that just in itself, just the fact that monetarily you're worth less is yeah. a huge thing. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's all across, it's across the board. Yeah. And... Leaning into the more political aspect of it, it was just like, so all, all along, I got to be first-hand witness to all, like, examples of all of the things that, like, culturally women politically complain about, and, you know, unequal salaries, and sexual assault, and abuse on the job, and all these things. I got to see all these things firsthand growing up, and so it was like, every time I'd hear people, like, you know, the typical men's many guy saying, oh, that doesn't ever happen, it's like, but I've seen it happen. Like, I've literally been there and seen, like, my mom was five foot zero um, when she was pregnant with me and I was nine pounds she weighed a hundred pounds tiny tiny woman beautiful as can be she was like in her youth and even in her adulthood she's spitting images Stevie Nicks about the same age range and they look just alike and so all that time she was this very tiny beautiful blonde and that meant horrific times for her and I saw some of it so one time she was dating this guy that was six six I was maybe 15 or 16 and there's lots of arguments and all that kind of stuff. And then there's literally a day where I literally see him pick her up into the air and smash her into the wall. Because he's 6'6", six, six, 350 pounds, and he can do that. And I'm 15, and so like I'm sitting there doing this, and I'm like, well, clearly there's no time anyone should ever do that to anyone, much less 
you know, in this situation, and he could do it because no, no one was going to punish him for it. The cops came out at one point or another when, during their arguments, and they said, domestic dispute, we can't get involved or whatever. So I picked up a crutch and whacked him in the fucking back, and he put her down, and then we moved out. But um, <laughs> but it was just like, I got to see all this stuff, and I got to see people getting paid less that were smarter than this dude that was the boss, and they're like, it's like, you've got to be kidding, that guy's a fucking idiot, and he gets paid <laughs> more than all the women combined and all this yeah. shit. And so, like, I got to see everything, so... And I got to walk through the cops fucking over rape victims. I was there with them in the hospital and in the sheriff's office and stuff. And it was just like, yeah, everything everybody says is just fucking right there. It's just exactly what they say and all these things. So I got to see the evidence firsthand very early and very often. So it was very easy for me to believe people because I've seen it. And so everybody else who hadn't doesn't believe it, isolation. They didn't see it. They haven't experienced it. They haven't met the women that have gone through it. And so isolation is always a problem when it comes to bringing... I, I think you're right, and that, I think that's only 75% of it, though, because some people choose not to see it. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. And yeah, I have friends yeah. who just legitimately yep. are like, nah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> don't, that's just, like, yeah. cognitive dissonance. It, yeah. Uh, it's just ridiculous. To me. Yeah. But, yeah, 70% of it is isolation, not being able yeah. to, like, experience things the same way we have. And yeah. this is the best city to experience stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. great. Because, I mean, wow, that sounded terrible. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, no, no, no. But it really, the, the yeah. conversations happen here. Yeah. And I like that because I, I like to be informed too. Yeah. So, I, I mean, growing up, I don't know exactly how uh, Lalo feels about this or you feel about this, but growing up where women are the weaker vessel and then proven over and over again that I'm, I'm, I'm borderline genius when it comes to certain things. Yeah. Over and over again, getting like trounced by women in an industry whether it be the industry I was in or now in, yeah. in and just seeing how well like people women do who are literally level one versus level five and doing the level five person's job mm-hmm. and it's just it, it, it's, it's blatant she should have been level five by now but yeah, it's, it's, exactly. it's blatant like yeah. my mom calls me all the time and complains about how she's a, a level three and she should be this level, blah, blah, yeah. And it's it's true. Like, yeah. I, I hired my mom back in the day. Nepotism, whatever, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> she deserved that job. She's smart. She can do it. And to this day, like, the, the men in that situation will constantly yeah. put her down just because, or, like, she even applied for another job that was uh, within the company that was higher, and she deserved the job. But they were, like, basically, they shot her down. Yeah. But, anyway. Well, I, can, I mean, I can see the cause of it, just a lot of this stuff, particularly you move over into like business area like that, is that for a lot of, and it's particularly true of white men, but it's true in some other groups as well, but with very minimal effort and very minimal expertise, we get promoted and rise up to positions of power and get into positions of power that we didn't earn necessarily or what like that. Some of it we did and some of it, you know, but it's also, then you can see that the, the people that are ensconced in those positions will defend them and they feel threatened by women that are more competent than them. And since they got to this position of power without really trying as hard, most women that could do it are more competent than them. Because there's the, the push down effect where, oh, you know, and they, you know, tons and tons of research on this, a more qualified woman will almost never get the job when the, there's a white man in the race. Like it, it, except places that are explicitly trying to go around that. I mean, the presidency is a perfect example. <laughs> the more qualified woman didn't get the job, so <laughs> it's like, yeah. Media, though, like, there's a I just offhand because I haven't caught up a mini project, but there was one where that was a specific issue where she was trying to apply for yeah. a certain position, 
and she became a white male yep. randomly one day, yeah. and then she brought you completely different. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's. I mean, that episode it was like, yeah, that's yeah. all. Of that's true. That's yeah. exactly how that would have happened. Yeah, every problem she had the day before was no longer a problem anymore. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> I, I, I'm classified as a white male based on light skinned version yeah. of myself. And everyone thinks I'm an American citizen, an American, mm-hmm. but I'm not. So I get treated. I get the privilege of being that. Yeah. And I can see there's a difference. Like honestly, as soon as someone finds out I'm not an American citizen, yeah, uh, you're 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 a permanent resident here, but different, completely different treatment. Yeah. And so, oh, you're 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 black, different treatment. Yeah. So like, if a, if a woman could cascade as a white male for a day, and then go back to it, I mean the the the. The stark contrast is there, and yeah. there's a contrast there just based on not being a woman. Yeah, but it's just it's one of those things where you say bring it to business. I think politics directly aligns with business. Absolutely, in that way, like they really yep. do constantly treat women as yeah. you're not worth this. You How many women are in the Senate? Or like you know, it's like a lot less than fifty percent. Well, when you know Trump <laughs> mentioned, yeah. uh, sorry to bring specific things in, but Trump mentioned about Hillary being sick. You know, like is or uh, can she handle this sort of thing? Yeah. Like. I mean, it, it, women are by far harder workers, not just competency, like you mentioned, harder workers than men. They have to Period. Be. I mean... They period. don't have a choice. If they men, don't, then they won't get it. Men don't want to stay home and take care of kids like they say we're really supposed to do that. That's one part of it. And then, like, in general, women at, in the workplace are so much harder working. And they get pushed down after a while, and then they just kind of give up, just like yeah. every other person is oppressed. Why we, yeah. But, like, I, yeah, that happens to everyone when you get oppressed like that. Yeah. And it's a consistent thing. Sorry, but... Yeah. Uh, I was going to say... Um, and we should stop relatively soon, maybe about yeah. ten more minutes or so. Sorry. Like no, it's fine. To, uh, no, it's good. We will bring up what the Bible, the Bible is saying, that women will be professors. It did say that, but... I remember certain stories in the Bible that it talks about, like for example, um, Abraham or Noah, or even another story. But th- those guys, it, they might have been the ones to kind of be focused on, but if you look at the stories, there are some things that their wives did, that if the wives did not do it, they would not have been able to succeed. So it, it defines realize, much of history. Right, yeah, <laughs> so it's like, the guys, a lot of guys have been under this false illusion that it's only because of me. And some things, yes, but in more cases than not, there was somebody, there was somebody there giving you a push, helping you out. Yeah. Or, and the strength to be able to do that and still be able to push themselves, mm-hmm. that's, that's a lot. Yeah, that's because I'm and to not be able to complain about it, right? (laughs) It's like that saying behind every strong man is a strong woman, right? I'm not going to get into a biblical conversation about how that's a different show, show, which I would love to be part of. Yeah, we can do it, we can absolutely do it. Uh, Kevin would be also perfect because he grew up in like a really, um really a hardcore Christian family yeah. mm-hmm. and I grew up Catholic and Southern Baptist and we can bring there's a lot of diversity no, that we can have those conversations too yeah because I mean there's there are situations where women have been strong in the Bible but then there's also the thing where like there's Lot's wife and of course she's the one that turns and turn, turn, looks back and turns to the pillar of salt and all the negative rhetoric in that way the the stories whether historically accurate or not uh, every depiction of uh, powerful figures from the Bible, when you paint them, it's a sh- strong cherub, or it's a, it's a, it's a, it's all these legions of men, 
and all these things that are very much like saying that it's a patriarchal, male-dominated mentality that we should live as part of. And I get that history dictates that's how things went for a long time, and that's how still things are right now. Like, you know, white men rule the world, period. Men rule the world, semicolon. And also, there are strong individuals that aren't just men who are part of the power structure. But, throughout the, the course of the Bible in general, it's a, dom a male-dominated society of man is the head of the household, man is the emcee of everything that, whether it becomes a decision of something to do with um, <laughs> secular activities or religious activities, the end of the day, a man makes a decision. It does not matter if the wife had input or didn't have input. And in a family structure and in the business structure and everything, it's a patriarchal attitude. So I that bothers me in a long sense, and that's always bothered me. But it, it's one of those things where, even though some of the, some of the the parables in the Bible do have women who definitely helped, or there's like Ruth and Naomi who were strong figures, those kind of things are still like negative in my opinion. So. It, it, this definitely goes back to it should be an unquote. So for me, I've always looked at the Bible as a thing of principle. Right? Like, it's like a history book. So it's like looking back and things, like looking at the American history and saying this, 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 and that happened doesn't necessarily mean that what happened then is what should be followed now. Of course not. Right, of, yeah. This is the history of it. There are just times when people take things that they've read in black and white and say, no, it has to be this way. It's like, which, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Which feeds into a lot of what's happening now. Like, mm -hmm. if people are religious and they're like this, they're, they're taking a, one scripture out of an entire thing and they're yeah. saying, this is how, you know, we're, we're, we're morally upright Christians, so we're going to follow the scripture and we're going to treat these people this way. Yeah. Whether it be minorities or women or yeah. whatever children that's that's a that's still an issue and it's yeah. going to be an issue for as long as that's how that's how people are going to want to interpret things and we're yeah. going to allow them to do that interpret things yeah it's um yeah we'll do a different show on that topic because we can yeah. go on forever on that yeah. i say one last thing to like um close out on is like so many guys particularly post stuff but i have conversations where they're like well, I can't understand any of this. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to treat women and stuff like that. So it's like, what are some what advice, like a few points of advice that you could give other guys on how to better figure this stuff out? Talk to them and listen to them. Like, that's a huge issue. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can pretend you're listening, which I did for a long time, but actually listen, and it's, 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 it's hard. Yeah. I, the main thing is I never want to be proven wrong. But we're not perfect. We are yeah. definitely going to be proven wrong. Yep. Like, I, until I started listening and like, yeah. wait a second, you are right. Yeah. That did just happen. That yeah. is happening all the time. I would say, I would, I would add one further step to that one is listen and believe. Be yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people, there are people who listen and then they say, well, no, here's why you're wrong. Right. And so it's no, it's like... explaining. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, it's, when it's about someone's personal experience, you don't get to argue it. Right. <laughs> you just listen and believe, and that's that. I think that's 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 our and, and yeah, listening is the key. But yeah. like, 
listening for real and saying, okay, this person is telling me their truth, and I need to recognize that it's true to them. And so, um, and I don't mean that isn't that it's not true to other people. I mean that the other people treat it like it's not true. They reject mm-hmm. someone's lived experience, and you can't do that. Or, they lived it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or come and talk to Kenny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or no. you, so, so I would say rather than talk to me, go read something like Everyday Feminism. It's a blog that literally takes a very proactive approach to discussing these things. Here's how you can do this, mm-hmm. as opposed to it did. So, like, I don't. I'm not a source on how to understand women. Women are. <laughs> so, here's the thing, though. All of this, I think, can be solved by one simple thing. Oh, boy. What is it? <laughs> you treat the next person, no matter if it's a woman or a guy, the way you want to be treated. Oh, the golden rule would yeah. work in theory. but I mean, no that's honestly, that. that's the problem. If people, if we learned how to do that, a lot of the shit we have. It to is do. a pretty like. But I don't like myself. Is that? No, we didn't say. Yourself. Yeah, no, 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 no. Not treat your treat them like you right. do treat them. <laughs> treat them like you want to be treated. <laughs> you, yeah, and the one thing I hear a lot, and I'm trying to listen to, is if you're going to have a conversation about things that you know nothing about. Have it with the people who know. No, right. So if you if you don't know, if you're like I don't know anything about this, then you have to talk to people who do. You can't just talk to your other bros who yeah. are going to bro and it out. You with really you. should not just do that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really, it, I mean, in any sense, if I want to learn about technology or if I want to learn how to play guitar, yeah. I'm not going to be like, hey, you know, Lalu, teach me how to play guitar, <laughs> or tell me how you think guitar is played because I know you never touched one in your life. Right. Like, don't even. Well, the crazy thing is, is that like. A lot of people that mess up on understanding how to interact with women in other areas would never make that same mistake. So they would never go and ask, you know, a drummer who's never seen a guitar on how to play guitar. They know better than that. And yet they'll go talk to a bunch of dudes who get it wrong and learn from other dudes. And it's just like, so... Yes, we know that this is an all-male podcast, but the (laughs) the point is we're not here talking about... What, how to fix anything. <laughs> well, no, we, we're talking about how men can fix their mistakes, not about what women should do. And, and so that's why that's why I wanted to do this as just guys on this one, is this isn't about us telling women anything. This is about mm-hmm. us saying, here's what we've learned that other guys could learn from. Yeah. Without having... Because, again, if, like, we often, and we're all performers anyway, but we're people perform for the people that are around them. Correct. And mm-hmm. so we may have said something less honest if there were three women sitting there too. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to take it from that approach. The very next podcast I'll record will be women and there won't be any dudes there. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. So, so it'll be, we'll, we'll get the other perspective, absolutely. And so... I don't like being wrong. Yeah. And I think no one does, but... But particularly Asperger's particularly really that, don't like yeah. to be wrong. And so like when... <laughs> but the thing is, I also like learning. And yeah. part of learning is a curve where... Yeah. You mess up and then you change. Yes, and you so improve, not just change. You get right. better. You at least right. try, and then right. sometimes you fail at it, and then you keep trying to get better. And yeah. back to the guitar analogy, like you know, you, you have the wrong formation, everything like that. You change that so you get better. Yeah. Same thing with this. Like to this day, there's no way I can say like I, I'm. There's people, guys specifically, who are saying I'm a feminist, stand strong. I'm going to continually be learning how to be one of yeah. those. It's one of the work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the last box. Um, I'll get it. Yeah, <laughs> puppy, get the door. <laughs> um, 
mean, it's with this subject, uh, as you said, it's something where you do have to, you can't, when I said treat everyone as you like to be treated, there's also a thing of where you also have to get the uh, the women's perspective on things because mm -hmm. the way they look at things are the, because of the experience of how they've been treated mm -hmm. it changes so we don't necessarily know that yeah. but you start out by yes treat them as you'd like to be treated but also understand that they've probably been treated by other people much worse than yeah. you so some things that you might find normal for them or that you might think oh it's okay it's normal to do yeah. they might have a problem with and it. something that might have been okay with other women might not be okay with yeah that's it. Yeah. So, about you, that's why each, you have to always remember, each person you meet is different. Each woman you meet will be different. So, yeah. like you said, like dealing with this person, it's not going to be the same as the Yeah, treat person. people like individuals because right. that's what they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, it's hard if, though. It's really hard. Also, Ron, if you feel you've made a mistake or you can see you've made a mistake, Go and talk to the person. I'm sorry is really fucking powerful. Right. Just those words. Like, I fucked up. Right. And not try to talk your way out. I'm sorry if you got offended. Right. No, yes. I'm sorry yeah. I said that. Right. I'm sorry I did uh, that. Uh, I was wrong the, and I'll try to not do it again. Uh, not that I'm sorry you took it this way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's not an apology. <laughs> yeah. That's actually just an insult as well. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So, I'm sorry that you can't keep up with my complex <laughs> intellect. Right. And read what I was trying to say, even though I didn't say that. I said something else. You couldn't read my mind and get my intent. Sorry that you're not psychic. <laughs> I mean, that's what that apology is. No, I know. It's like, yeah, it's just um, and that's the apology Ben Affleck gave the other day. Was one of those, and it was wow. just like, come yeah. on. So that's yeah. that's Jason Momoa's was very good. That's what I, I thought. Good job, like, Jason Momoa. That, that's where mm -hmm. Also, he did. He, oh, he just made a stupid ass sexist joke. He didn't right. assault somebody like. Like, that's where I stepped into yeah. having this conversation with yeah. you it's just like people do apologize later and some people don't take those apologies seriously but yeah. if you really listen to those apologies like Camilla's apology bringing up the fact that he has daughters he didn't really mean to do that but he was just you know it's, yeah. it's a learned behavior for him too Yeah, that, all those things you just have to listen to yeah. what they're saying and then really take it for what they're saying We and all this bullshit yeah. <laughs> and then there's like so and apparently it's a serial thing because two other videos have come up since that first one and so apparently he like he was drunk and high all that time and grew up in women and he's been affected and pretty and he could get away with it, so he did. Mm -hmm. I mean, and so his brother's the same way. His brother's been hit with two sexual... Casey. Yeah, Casey's been hit with multiple... Filed lawsuits, multiple sexual assault... Or sexual harassment lawsuits, not assault, I don't think. Maybe, I don't know, it's hard to say. Like, the way these stories go, when you hear one or two, you're going to hear five and ten. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we can call it the Cosby effect. Mm -hmm. I mean, one person you heard about one thing, and then when the, the Trump effect Trump too. Is all, <laughs> and they're up to fifteen women now have accused Trump of sexual harassment and or assault. I'm glad that yeah. that whole Billy what his name thing came out because that really did spur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. talking about that because if you're going to be that open with your bro talking about yeah. it. Locker room talk, which is bullshit. Well, right? Total bullshit. I've been in tons of locker rooms. Nobody ever talked about sexual assault. In the locker room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was that. There's there, occasionally there was that one guy who did. Yeah, and he got kicked off. And some assholes. Yeah, he got kicked off the team and stuff. So, yeah. 